21st Century Entrepreneurship with Martin Piskarik. I was in California in San Francisco. I was at a healthcare conference and I ran into one of my friends and we ended up getting dinner together. And he was wearing this device called Continuous Glucose Monitor. And I asked him, why are you wearing this? Are you type one diabetic? He said to me, I'm not. I'm just trying to understand how to own my own health. And he asked me, do I know anything about this? And interestingly enough, at this point, I was a healthcare consultant. Uh, and so I knew a lot about the business in the U.S., as well as my sister is a type 1 diabetic. So I've seen the technology improve dramatically over the last decade. And he basically said, I'm thinking about doing something in the health and wellness space. And how do we use this technology as a way to improve global health? It just all clicked for me. And two weeks later, I quit my job and we launched this. And he said, all right, great. I'm going to build the software and you try to figure out how to market this on the internet. My first answer is, how do you do that? I work in finance strategy. <laughs> and that's where the fun of starting a company really came about. And how did you turn that specific idea into reality? So, yeah, so actually, so it was really, he put, my co-founder, Alex, really put it to me this way. When you're starting, there's really only two parts, build or sell. He said to me, all right, I'm going to build, you're going to sell. And I said to him, I have no idea how to sell, man. He's like, all right, great. I will sell, you build. I'm like, build what? He's like, software. I'm like, I'm not a software developer. I could do financial models, you know, counting, negotiations. And he's like, what are you talking about? There's two of us here. We have nothing. There's nothing to model out. There's nothing to bookkeeping. You know, we don't need this stuff. And I said, well, then I don't know how I can help you. And he said, then why did you quit your job and do this thing with me? And I said, it's a great idea. He's like, well, you got to figure out what you're going to do. And so I basically said, okay, what's faster to learn? How to market the internet or how to write code really well? Uh, and so... I decided that figuring out how to market the internet is easier, faster <laughs> to learn. So I went to Google and I typed in how to market on the internet. <laughs> and then, never taken a marketing class in my life or anything like that. I just came up with hundreds of options. And I just created an Excel model that makes Excel doc that said all the possible Facebook ads, Google ads, Pinterest, influencer, podcasts. And I went through and said, okay, I have this list. Alex, what's my budget for marketing? He goes, zero. And I go, all right, well, that eliminates about 95% of the channels. No billboards we're going to do here, right? Uh, and then the next one I said is, okay, great. Which one of these things uh, I can get revenue from right now? And things like search engine optimization, like blog writing, it takes a long time. So again, it'll have to eliminate a lot of things there. And I only had like a handful of things remaining. Uh, and so I started executing those handful of things, which was get us ability to go on podcasts as guests, actually, in the health and wellness space, not this area. Uh, talk about the importance of glucose control. Uh, then work with influencers in the health and wellness space and get them to try and talk about this. Uh, actually get into Facebook groups, people already talking about glucose control and getting people engaged and trying this out. And I started getting engagement that way. And that's how we really started going forward. And I think I went from Hey, I quit my job to two weeks later, we had about $8,000 of monthly revenue. Next month, we had about 20. The month after, we had 30. The month after, we had 50. Um, and now, 
we're about 175 full-time employees three years later. What are the pros and cons of quitting your full-time job to become entrepreneur from your perspective? I think an important part to ask yourself is what kind of personality you have, number one, right? My personality is very obsessive. And the thing about obsessive personalities, which is good and bad, the good thing is I'm able to just dial into something really quickly and get really fascinated and learn really quickly on certain topics. The negative is, is it's limited to a very limited amount of topics, meaning I can do two things at once really, really well. Some people maybe are less obsessive. They're much better at managing several things at once. So for me, I knew that I could not have a successful career as well as a successful startup on the side. I knew that if I started trying to do that, what would happen is I would do a pretty bad job at the startup and a pretty bad job at a career. And so I looked at it as like, I need to stop one thing to start the other. Some people are actually really good at multitasking, right? And so they're able to manage both. And that's step number one. The second part is speed. I looked at startups as this, what are you trying to gain from this, right? I'm trying to have as much impact as possible and see this as valuable as soon as possible. So I was trying to optimize for a short time frame. I wanted to see, yes, I could do it partially for the next 10 years and see what happens. But I would really want to do is this. I want to try really, really hard for six months to a year and see if there's something here. And if there's not, go back to have my real job. And I know I tried and I know. However, this requires extreme focus. And so again, it's the same thing. Is your goal to see it over a long-term period or a short-term period? And you know, when I was in my life, I was about 30 years old, maybe 31. And I basically said, okay, I can have this career path where I'm succeeding, getting promoted. I was getting good reviews of work. And you know, I can keep going. And the farther you go down the path, the harder it is to sacrifice that. Because when you're quitting that job, you give up the income, you give up the vacation, you give up your, your pension. And so... You can't just you know slow that down because you can also ruin your career long term. So you have to make this decision of, do you want to go really really fast and find out? For me, that's what it was. It was I need to learn really quickly because if maybe I'm because we all have this idea, you know. I always make jokes. I say like a lot of us are want entrepreneurs. We all want to be entrepreneurs. Everyone reads about it, talks about it, ideas about it. They have you know feedback like, oh, here's how Uber should have been run. Here's how Facebook should have been run. Here's how we run Google. But doing is very different, and so. I think we have to ask ourselves, like, what are the limiting factors, right? Also, you know, some of us plan to have kids or have kids. Uh, and so there's a limitation of how long you keep going. And so those kind of factors are really critical to determine where you want to be and when you want to do it, right? Um, also, some people have maybe connections. Maybe they're able to get funding earlier on. And they don't have to worry about, like, going to zero. I was not in a place where I could just go raise millions of dollars. I know people who went. I had to quit and make zero. And funded for my own savings. So those kind of factors are really critical to think about. So it's a multi-dimensional avenue of assessment. Um, and so that's how people should evaluate this. But again, my personal belief is that if you really want to make something happen really quickly, you have to dive all in. You got to be obsessed. I've, you know, it is a very small percentage of people in the world who are successful entrepreneurs. And even smaller percentage of those people who haphazardly part-time became super successful, right? And so, you know, I mean, we see these people like Amazon, you know, Am Jeff Bezos or Bill Gates or Elon Musk. These people are obsessed. You know, they're putting 120-hour work weeks. So how can someone do part-time and aside 15, 20 hours a week, right? 
Um, again, it depends how big of a thing you want. If you want to make like 50K, 60K a year on the side, that's fine. It's scale is really critical here. And from your point of view, should fundraising be part of the plan? Sure. Raising money is this. So when you raise money, you put yourself in a situation where the expectations are different. The expectations are no longer, hey, I want a profitable, sustainable business. The expectations are, I want an enormous business. And if I don't deliver those results, I may get fired from my own company that I started, right? When you raise money in some ways, you no longer become the founder that's owner, but you become a founder partner because you also have the investor partner now. So that's a very critical part as well. So that's a question people should ask themselves. Uh, a lot of times companies, growth equity, private equity, and you know, venture capital, they'll tell people like we invest in companies, we expect eight to fail, one to break even, one to make it big. We know that we're okay with these odds and you might be going, you might be doing well and you might be like, oh great, I'm gonna have a company that makes me give me two, three million dollars in profit. I'm happy. But the firm that invested goes, no, 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 we don't want two, three million dollars. We want a hundred million dollars back. <laughs> right? We want a hundred million or zero, right? I mean, if you think about the Facebook, Google's the world, the Amazons, people like venture capitals invested in them. And a lot of companies invested and failed, but then those companies brought in their trillions of dollars back, right? And so it puts you in different situation, different kind of pressure. There's, there's a pressure of like, you cannot slow down. You have to keep going. You have to go faster, faster, more and more. And so you should ask again yourself, like, do you want to like a lifestyle business where, you know, maybe you're making 100, 200K a year and you're having an enjoyable life? Or do you want an ultra successful, like more of a binary, crazy successful or crazy failure? And you have to ask yourself that. What is that you're aiming for as an entrepreneur? Quote, we are on a mission to help our members discover and reach their health potential through powerful data, actionable insights and accountability. What is the significance of this phrase for you? The quote here is really about in the US specifically, and I know Europe is following American paths since we're Americanizing the whole world, is one in three people in the US right now are pre-diabetic. I mean, think about that, that's 89 million Americans. And this is a lifestyle decision, right? This is poor quality food, lack of exercise, high stress, bad sleep. So the question becomes like, why is this happening? Why did these diseases not exist historically? And it comes down to people marketing food quality, ingredients, trying to find ways around it so, so corporate world can make more money. And so how do we provide real-time data for people to make good decisions and own their own health, right? In many ways, hospitals, insurance companies become are the big businesses. Their goal isn't to help you live as long as healthy as you want. Their goal is to cut and prescribe drugs, right? And that's what doctors are trained on. And the goal here is how do we stop this? Heart disease should not exist. We should all die of old age, not from heart disease and diabetes, which is mind-blowing to me, or Alzheimer's. And so the idea here is, let's give you your own data. So when we give you these devices, continuous glucose monitor, we put it on your arm, 
you see in real time without any guessing how your body responds to food, stress, sleep, and exercise. And you quickly realize that you and me can eat the same foods and respond completely differently. This is based on our genetics, our age, our sex. You see it as women and men. They respond completely differently to the same foods. People based on regions, like people in Europe, where, I mean, especially like Ireland, for example, they respond very differently to rice than potatoes. You know, versus Asian cultures, they respond differently as well. And so you start seeing all these differentiations. If this is going to sound like, you know, maybe a little far-fetched, but it's true, where we've seen studies where people, depends on the pollution in their city, they respond differently. The environment impacts them differently from a glucose perspective. Uh, and even sometimes you see this interesting fact where you will eat and be perfect diet, perfect exercise, perfect everything. And at 3 p.m., you get a little glucose spike every day. And you're like, what is that? And it turns out you have a meeting with your boss every day. And that stress, the cortisol response actually pops you up. There's a uh, interesting anecdote that I have. Uh, when we first started this company, we had this guy who's a super healthy guy. And we see his glucose in like diabetic range for like a day and a half. And we're messaging him like, hey, what's going on? Are you okay? Are you okay? Inside the app. And he doesn't respond. Finally, he responds back to us like, sorry, guys, I was busy. We're like, well, what happened? Why were your glucose so high? Like, like, what are you eating? And he said, sorry, I was getting married. Right. <laughs> So he was just so stressed out, his glucose was just out of control. And that's the idea, you know, ideal case scenario, we'd love to measure things like insulin, cholesterol, testosterone, estrogen. Technology is not there yet. Glucose is really proxy for all these other hormones. But the nice thing about it is we are the frontier and it's going to be the next level. That's where we're going. Cities like Los Angeles has a higher pollution than other cities. Mexico City has really high pollution. Shanghai. So if we look around the globe, certain cities have significantly higher pollution. And what happens is if you're around pollution all the time, naturally your body responds and fights off that, but your resting glucose levels are higher. And what's happened is you just don't realize because you're so used to it. It becomes your daily norm. It's the same with stress, chronic stress. People have chronic stress, but they're so used to the chronic stress years and years of stress. They don't know it's any different. And only when they under look at their data, the personal data in real time, they're like, wait a minute, why am I at 110 when I should be at 90? And then they go on vacation, they go to 90 every time. They go back to you know regular life, they go one time, and you realize like, a lot of these things that we think are norm are not norm. But when you do something daily for a decade, it becomes norm to you. And so you can't see any difference. And so something is like, I mean, when it comes to food, for example, something is like eating a banana. I've always been told eat a banana, it has potassium, it's a great glucose. For some reason, after I started wearing this device, I realized bananas just cause havoc in my body, right? Yet I eat ice cream, no impact. And it's fascinating. And it's not, it's like, it's completely different for everyone. It's based on my genetics microbiome. I get to see that. So now I avoid bananas, but I eat ice cream. Again, moderation, but like I never knew that. And it's because of this uniqueness about ourselves as human beings that we have. And 
pretty much every diet, all the advice the doctors give us is this. If you have something wrong with you, and you get your blood test, doctor says, exercise and eat better. And then you come back a year later, they're like, did you exercise and eat better? And you're like, I did. And they're like, well, I don't want to see improvement. But what does that mean? And you see his diets like vegan, keto, carnivore, you know, but like zone, but for who? Mediterranean. First, it's like, you got to eat a lot of fish. That's what else is. No, you got to eat a lot of meat. And so, like, for who? Why? And this is the interesting part about this. We should own data. We should start seeing this data and actually see in real time how we respond to these things. So we don't have to guess anymore. Yeah, and then, so that's what it is. I mean, we just try to build products that help people understand this so they can, they don't have to rely on the old archaic system of healthcare and they can own their own health data and understand how to make good decisions in life. Are you using the data that your devices are collecting? Yeah, I mean, we have so much. We have so much. And it's like, it's some of these discoveries. For example, the difference in women and men. People, we see all these hundreds of studies coming out, like intermittent fasting. That's been a popular trend for the last couple of years. Have you been following this whole intermittent fasting? And so everyone always says, do it, do it. It's so good for you. It's so good for you. And we look at it. And here's the interesting part, part we've seen. Yes, it's good for you if you're a man. We've actually seen that if you're a woman and you start fasting over 16 hours a day, you see actually extremely negative impact. Like, and again, not always, but about 60% of women we've seen who fast over 16 hours have these extremely negative cortisol responses and they actually cause themselves more harm than good. Because women are meant to have a little more body fat for reproductive purposes, to childbearing. And yet everyone says fast, fast, fast. And you see people fasting and they actually cause themselves to have health issues down the line. Because a lot of this research is not separating women and men. You know, there's an ironic study that I read a while ago. They talked about how breast cancer research was done and then they looked at sample size of the people and it's something like 95 percent of people in the study were men on breast cancer research because it is much cheaper to study men than women because you don't have the menstrual cycle and therefore you don't have to the the length of study is much shorter because there's less hormonal differences and it's mind-blowing yet you know news outlets just take some of these studies and they find things that just slap it on everywhere and everyone regurgitates the data but no one actually looks in the depth like what are we saying here so that was really impactful. I think another really fun one is coffee. Coffee is one of those things where, again, you hear one year it's amazing for you, one year another year it's terrible for you. Um, and we see this where it's such individualistic response where we'll have 100 people drink it and 33, 33, 33, some have an improvement in glucose, some have a deke, it makes it worse. Some people, no response at all. It's fascinating. It's something we all drink, but like we all respond completely differently. Mm -hmm. What should my next steps be if I encounter any warnings, any warning signs? Is there a resource available to help me out or something else? Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. So we actually afterwards provide you both with automated advice on how to, what to you know, change around. Also, we have experts on the platform who constantly look at your data and their job is to jump in and say, hey, here's how you improve. 
And so it's adjusting certain foods. It's adjusting your sleep cycle. It's adjusting workouts. It is what it is. And start thinking about that dynamically. So these are licensed registered dietitians and their entire job is to all day sit and look at your data, answer every one of your questions, but also jump in and tell you in real time, like, hey, here's what you should do. You know, we're, we're, I mean, think about it if you like historically, your annual physical is kind of what people have done. And also the scale, you know, the weight scale, you get on scale, you say, I've lost weight, gain weight. But that's too broad. And it's like sometimes you have more water or less water. Sometimes you put on more muscles, you worked out. It's, it doesn't help you enough. And it's too slow. Versus this situation, this is very, very helpful. So that's basic subscription. Then you sign up for either one month or three months or six months or 12 months. And you get actually devices sent. These devices are still really new. So they only last 14 days. You have to actually replenish them every 14 days uh, because they're actually penetrating the skin just a little bit. And that penetration of the skin is what gives us the data in real time. And then that's sent to your phone and then your phone basically track, if you want to track anything else, your food or you take pictures of food, whatever it is you want. And we have dietitian experts sitting in the background and they're looking at dashboards and constantly getting notified about things that are happening. Almost imagine like, it's like a fire department, right? Just getting notified about fire here, fire here, crime, or maybe even crimes. And what they're doing is they're jumping in, except, oh, you have a response. Hey, we have a response to your body. So you have like oh, many fire departments and there's messaging on your phone. So they have thousands of phones they look at basically. And they just message people as they see things pop up and tell them how to fix things, how to improve things. So it's fascinating. People sign up and they basically sign up for one, three, six, or 12 months. And they get devices shipped to them every single month. That's how they sign up for And does your company have a unique business culture or specific leadership style? that has been influenced by the type of work you do? I mean, that's an interesting part. Like everyone that comes to work here is a little bit obsessed, obsessed about their health. Everyone, you know, everyone, we've realized that you can attract a lot of really impressive people, very successful people based on your mission, right? Everyone that works here, we probably work more than most companies. People work more here than other companies. However, because they care, people are willing. It doesn't feel like work a lot of times. You know, I could sit there and work 10, 12 hours. And afterwards, I'm like, oh, wow, the time flew by. Because when it's interesting and there's something new to solve, like time flies by fast. You know, when you're working on something, when you're like, oh, let's send, you know, let's put up another website with more, you know, yoga pants or something, right? Or, you know, a way that, you know, guys on the internet get on girls, you know, so like, or Instagram, no Instagram. And like, it's cool, but people there really just the money making. Their goal is to make money. Here, like every single day we get messages like, you saved my life. I was diabetic, you reversed it. Or, you know, I had high blood pressure, you reversed it. Or I've been searching and I lost weight. And, or I've been stressed all my life and now I'm longer stressed. And you get this message and they're inspiring. You feel like you're good about what you're doing. Whether when you talk to other people, you're proud of it. People ask questions, people get excited. It's just like, it, it penetrates all parts of your life. And it, it becomes less like a job and more about the excitement you bring to the world and to yourself every day. It's fascinating. I mean, who doesn't eat, right? We all eat, we all work out, we all, and you get to be the expert of this, like the leading expert in the world for this. This is exciting. Are there any competitors who are following in your footsteps? Copycats? 
plenty of people trying to do what we're doing now. When we first started, people thought that we're crazy. They're like, who's going to want this? Who's going to let you track their data digitally remotely? I'm like, our goal isn't to track people. Our goal is to help people. And, you know, it's like having a expert in your pocket 24-7, right? And so people, a lot of people want it. Now it's on hundreds of companies trying to do what we do, but we're so much further ahead than everyone else. Everyone's playing a catch-up game. And so I think that's the advantage we have now. And the goal is, and here's to be frank is this, I actually hope as many of them succeed as possible too, these copycats, because what we're doing is we're leading a revolution, a health revolution to help people own their health. So the more of them succeed, it benefits the whole industry. And I think it will drive the prices down for everything and it's going to make it cheaper and more affordable for everyone. And I think it's going to revolutionize the way that we think about food, stress, sleep, exercise. So I hope more of them enter the market and succeed. I mean, this is no different than when Tesla opened up their patents and it led other companies to use patents because they realized that having more people in the space will make the whole industry revolutionize faster. Dan, where do you see yourself and your company in five years? The goal for us in five years is to help at least 1 million people. That's the goal as our company grows. You guys come check us out at Nutrisense.io, N-U-T-R-I-S-E-N-S-E.io. Don't, don't worry about buying anything. Don't feel obliged, but read a bunch of the blog articles. There's some cool stuff we're finding research on, and we're publishing things all the time about the importance of glucose control and health and prevention specifically. So come and read and learn as much as you can and reach out to us. Happy to answer. Uh, come check me out on LinkedIn if you want as well. Happy to answer or help any other entrepreneurs as well. 21st Century Entrepreneurship with Martin Piskorik.